Well, good morning, everyone. I want to thank you all for being here on this Baptism Sunday. And for those of you who are here and your friends and relatives and family of those who are being baptized, I want to just take a minute and welcome you here and say thank you for being here to help us celebrate this special occasion in the lives of those who are being baptized this morning. And uh, so they're back there. They're getting ready. They're getting some last-minute instructions. And, uh, and so in a few minutes, we'll be baptizing them. So as they're getting ready, I've got just a kind of a shorter message, a Bible message for you this morning, and it's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23, and so let's read that together. It says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You sound so good doing that. Let's do that one more time since it's just one verse, all right? Together, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer over the word? God, thank you so much for your word, God. God, help us to not only hear, but now be doers of the word. God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding for it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so I heard this story one time of this little kid named Billy. And Billy was five years old, and one cool, crisp autumn day, much like today, he went outside and found his father out there raking up the leaves. Now, his father saw him come out and went over to him, got down on one knee and looked right in his face so they could look each other right in the face, and took his hands and said, now, now Billy, it's okay for you to be out here. You can play in the front yard, or if you want, you can go over next door to your friend's house and play in his front yard. Or you can go up and down the driveway in your big wheel. Or if you want, you can go out back and play on your swing or play with the dog. Or you can go in the house and play with your toys. Or if you want, you can stay out here and help me rake the leaves. But you can't go play in the street. Under no circumstances are you to go in the street. Do you understand that? No going in the street. Is that clear? And little Billy looked up at his dad and, and shook his head yes and, uh, and said, yes, daddy. And so dad said, okay, great. Let go of his hands. And immediately, Billy made a beeline for the street. Crossed the sidewalk, put his little toe down under the street, looked over at his shoulder, at his dad, as if to say, what do you think of me now? <laughs> now, I can't tell you what happened next because it's too graphic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How many of you have ever dealt with maybe one of your children or grandchildren who is just like little Billy? Every single one of them, all right. Okay, how many of you are pointing fingers right now? All right, how many, if you're honest, you've been little Billy? All right, you know what it is to be little Billy. Now, why would little Billy do that? I mean, after his dad gave him all this permission to play all over the yard, in the yard next door, in the backyard, in the house, or to stay with him, um, little Billy had to go out into the street and put his toe in the street. Why would he do that? Now, the reason is, is that little Billy wanted to be the boss. Little Billy wanted to make up the rules and decide what was right and wrong for himself. 
And now this illustrates something important for us. It illustrates the redemption story. Or it illustrates why we need the redemption story. Because we have this awesome, loving, heavenly Father who created us and he loves us and he wants us to be joyful. I mean, some people view God as like wanting, you know, everybody to be just kind of dour and depressed all the time. Did you know God wants you to be joyful? And at the same time, he gave us these rules to live by. Things like the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule or the Great Commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. He gave us these rules, these boundaries, if you will, because he loves us. He knows that there's spiritual danger outside of these boundaries, outside of these rules. He knows that when we venture beyond these boundaries and rules that he set up, we're in danger of being hurt or of hurting other people. So if you break his commandments about uh, avoiding violence, you hurt somebody else or, or you hurt yourself. If you break his commandments about stealing and cheating and lying and covetousness, you hurt somebody and you, and you hurt yourself and you hurt relationships. If you ignore his boundaries, his restrictions, you get hurt. And God doesn't want to see that. But the problem is, the truth is, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're all really little billies in our heart, aren't we? All of us have probably at one point or another broken all of the Ten Commandments. Now, I know at this point someone's saying, you know, whoa, 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 wait, Pastor Paul. You know, I, I may have maybe in my days, maybe I, you know, I stole something at some point or I lied or was covetous or something like that, but I never killed anybody and I never committed adultery or anything like that. Well, you know what? That's great that you didn't actually physically kill somebody. That's awesome. I applaud you for that. And uh, it's great that you didn't commit adultery. But the problem is this. Jesus said that if you're angry, if you harbor anger in your heart towards someone, that you've murdered them in your heart. And he said that if you're lustful towards somebody, that you've committed adultery with them in your heart. So as God sees it, we've all broken all of the Ten Commandments, if not outwardly, at least inwardly in our heart at some point or another. And that's just the Big Ten. I mean, we haven't even considered the 600-plus other commandments in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And, and one of the problems is this. If, if you break just one of the commandments, you are a lawbreaker. Right? It's, it's really no good to say, well, I kept eight or nine or ten, you know, but all these other ones I didn't, you know. It's, it's kind of like this. If you blow past a stop sign going 40 miles an hour and the policeman pulls you over, and he gives you a ticket, and you say, well, you know, but officer, I was obeying the speed limit when I went through the stop sign. I was going 40, I was going 39 and a 40 when I went through that stop sign. Isn't that good enough? I obeyed that law. No, you, you broke the law. And the problem is, it's just like little Billy, we want to be in charge. We want to make the rules. We want to be the ruler of our hearts. We want to decide what's right and wrong for us. In a sense, we want to play in the street. God has all this goodness for us in his yard, within the boundaries of his yard, but we want to play in the street. All we can see is this, this street that's out there that's off limits, right? And we tell ourselves, you know, it would be so much more fun in the street. I mean, it's really not, right? I mean, once you've played in the street, you know, and maybe your toes got run over, 
you know, by a truck or something. You know, it's really not much more fun. It's not more fun in the street in the long run. But we tell ourselves, it's going to be much more fun in the street. And so what is this? What is this little Billy thing in us that uh, makes us want to live dangerously and uh, play in the street when our Heavenly Father has offered us all of these blessings and safety of his yard? Well, the Bible calls it sin. Sin in the Bible is simply rebellion against God. It's seeing what's right and doing what's wrong. It's playing in the street when God says, play in my yard. And the big problem with sin is that it separates us from God. Now, it gets really tempting when you're a sinner, when I'm a sinner, right? It gets really tempting to begin comparing ourselves with other people, doesn't it? I mean, you start looking around, you go, you know what? I mean, yeah, I'm not perfect and everything, but... But, you know, that sinner over there, he's a lot worse than I am. Or that sinner over there, that, she does a lot worse things than I do. You know, I'm just over here playing in the street. They're playing in the highway. Right? I'm just here playing in the street. They're playing on the runway at the airport. So, you see, I'm really not that bad. And, you know, the street I'm playing in isn't really that busy. You know, anyway, we begin to compare ourselves with each other. And whenever we compare ourselves with each other, we tend to come off looking pretty good, don't we? Because isn't the truth of the matter is we tend to downplay our own faults and sins and magnify the sins in other people. So anytime you start comparing yourself with each other, you're going to come off looking pretty good in your own eyes. But God doesn't compare us with other people. Right? He doesn't look and say, are you better than so-and-so over here? Is everyone sitting on this side better than the people sitting on this side? Or is everyone on this side better than these people sitting on this side? God's not comparing us with other people he compares us with his own holiness. And so it's kind of like this. You know, God's over here. He's on the one side. And there's this big, huge chasm. And all the people are over here on the other side. And there's really no way for us to get across to God. Sin separates us from God. We can't be good enough in our own goodness to get to God. We can't earn his forgiveness. We can't do enough good works to get to his forgiveness. You know, sometimes people think if I can just be, you know, in the top 10 or 20 or 30% of people or 50% or 60%, you know, then that'll be good enough. Or if I can just have one more good deed than bad deed and outweigh all that stuff, then I'll be good enough. But the Bible says that we are all sinful and separated from God because of our sins. So we're on that side and, and, and God is on this side and we're separated from God because of sin. And it gets even worse. It says this. Here's God's judgment on the matter. In the first part of our scripture today, it says, the wages of sin is death. How many of you got up and claimed that scripture this morning? The wages of sin is death. The payment, the penalty for sin, the thing you earn because of sin is death, and not just physical death. Physical death is in the world because of sin, but spiritual death as well. We're not alive spiritually of ourselves, in ourselves, spiritually dead, because sin caused spiritual death to come into the world. But worst of all, the Bible says that if nothing is done about this sin problem in our hearts, that after physical death, there's another death called the second death. And the book of Revelation describes it like this. It says, at the great judgment seat of God that the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Now that's not good news when you think about it. If nothing is done about our sin problem here, 
the wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the story. Can someone say amen to that? That is not the end of the story. That is not what God wants for anyone. That is not what God wants for you. That's why Jesus died. This is what the cross of Jesus is all about. The Bible says it like this, that Jesus died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. Jesus, Think about that. Jesus died the just. He had never sinned. He died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. It says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what was happening when Jesus died on the cross, he was paying for your sin. He was paying for my sin, paying the penalty that we deserved because Jesus was fully God and fully human and he was a perfect human who never sinned. He could be the perfect representative to God for the human race. And by dying on the cross, he paid for your sin and he paid for my sin. That is something to be excited about. That is something to rejoice over. Because the fact is, we could never get to God on our own. But God didn't like that situation, so he sent his son Jesus to bridge the gap for us between God and people. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right? He didn't say, I know the way, and I'll show it to you. Right? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, because he was bridging that gap. And it's not that he was trying to be exclusive or anything like that. It's that he was doing something for us that no one else could do. He was opening a door that no one else could open, and he was bridging a gap that no one else could bridge. And so now we have this gift of God. It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve, but something that he gives to us. And so here's the situation. The wages of sin is death. That's what we earned. We earned death and we deserve death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the only way to receive this gift of eternal life is to go through Jesus Christ. And so this is what it looks like. You have to express repentance towards God and faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. You have to confess your sin to God. You have to essentially say, what? you know what, God? The truth is, I've been playing in the street. I've been playing outside your boundaries. It doesn't matter if someone else is playing in the highway or someone else is playing on the runway at the airport. God, I've been playing in the street. And I need Jesus in my life. I believe he died for my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I need Jesus to be my Savior. And I need him to be my Lord. I need to open my heart and my life to him. Let him come in and clean me and change me and help me to live for him. So that's how you walk over this bridge to the other side. That's how you receive this gift of eternal life. So would you all just bow your heads with me for a moment in prayer? And we're about to close and get ready to, to have our baptisms this morning. And, but before we do, I want to give everyone here an opportunity to respond to God's gracious gift this morning.
if you've never received this gift of salvation, if you've been laboring under some idea that I hope I can be good enough somehow, or maybe you've received this gift at some point, but you've walked away from it, and you really haven't been following after Jesus. But this morning, you want to say, you know what? I need Jesus to be my Savior. I want to open my heart to him. I want to uh, trust him, and I'm ready to say, Jesus, come into my heart and my life and repent of my sin and turn to God with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remember you in prayer. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, but I want to remember you in prayer. So would you just raise your hand if that's you this morning? Say, yeah, Pastor Paul, I, I, I want to open my heart to Jesus this morning. Thank you for that hand. Are there other hands this morning? It'll be the best thing you ever did. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else this morning who'd say, yeah, thank you for that hand? Say, yeah, I want to open my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You will receive his grace and mercy and compassion and goodness. Anyone else before we pray this morning? Thank you for that hand there. Anyone else? Don't want to miss anybody? Amen. All right, let's pray together. And I'm going to ask if you would just uh, repeat this prayer after me. It's not anything magic in the prayer, but as you mix your faith with this prayer and these words, God's going to do exactly what you ask him to do. So would you all follow me in this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today a sinner. I confess I've played in the street. I've played outside your boundaries. I'm sorry, Father. But I believe that Jesus died for my sin and that he rose again from the grave. And today, I want to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Help me live for you all the days of my life. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a round of applause. Amen. If you've done that, can I say God has done exactly what that you've asked him to do, and he wants you to grow spiritually. I encourage you to, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. We'll give one to you and begin to read it. And, and the New Testament, God's going to help you grow spiritually. Be amazed as God talks to you as you read the Bible. And then uh, begin to pray uh, every day, even if it's just five minutes. Set aside some time to talk to God because he wants to hear from you and to communion with you. And then make sure you, you get with other believers in a small group, in a church, in church service like this. Um, God wants to bless your life and help you grow and uh, be full of his grace and goodness and mercy.